How's everyone doing today? Good, good. There we go. Sorry. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I want to do, thank you, love. Uh, can everybody say, aw, that was so nice. He brought my water up for me. He's so wonderful. Hey, um, can we do something so that we can affirm today that it is all about Jesus and it is not about us? Will you do something with me today? Just nod your head. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you, but let's just do it, okay? Full blind hope. All right. On the count of three, I want us to scream or yeah, uh, loudly exclaim. Let's say it that way. I want us to shout. Uh, hallelujah, because I want us to be focused in on what Jesus wants to say today, and it is about giving him praise. So on the count of three, can you give me your biggest exclamation? One, two, three, hallelujah. Come on, can you give him praise? Yes. Come on, Lord. It's all about you today. It's all about you every day. But Lord, especially today, we celebrate you. So welcome again, everyone online. Um, if we've never met, if maybe this is your first time here, let me introduce myself. My name is Kayla Marcantonio. My husband, Matt, was just up here. We're the pastors here at Crossing Place Church. And uh, I want to especially talk to you as a church and let you know that we are so happy to be here, especially considering if you were here last Sunday, you know why. Um, probably, uh, well, we just finished our quarantine because my husband came down um, over the last couple of weeks with COVID or the Rona or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we did finish our quarantine time. He is getting better, feeling better. Uh, I took a test proactively yesterday. I did come up negative. So we are not here illegally today. Um, I promise you no police are going to like storm the doors and come and grab us and take us out. Um, no, like we're clear, we're, in, we're good. Um, but I do have something that I just wanted to share with you that just really... You know, anyone, if you've known someone, we, we probably all know someone at this point that got the virus or even worse things that happened because of the virus, and you go, why me? Or you think, why them? God, where are you in this? And I just want to let you know that for us, I can still see the hand of God um, guiding everything. He allowed this. It didn't, it didn't ca cause him by surprise. But here's, here's what I noticed. So last Sunday was supposed to be our first official Sunday as pastors, and we weren't here. <laughs> Um, but that is where I see God's hand in it, because from what I heard and what I experienced on the other side of the screen, God's presence met us here last week. And four people recommitted their lives to the Lord when it was a video. It was a video. And so here's what I know and what I'm so thankful for, because it takes all the sweat off our back. Um, when good things happen here at the church, it will not be because of Matt and Kayla. We have an excellent team. I'm so thankful for everyone that contributed to today, but it even won't be because of them. It will be by the Spirit of God that things happen, and that's, that's what we're proclaiming today. So thank you, Lord. Very thankful for everything that he's done, and really it could have been much worse. So I'm just thank you for all your prayers. So as we dive into our conversation for today, I have a question for you. Can you look to the person next to you and just say, she's got a question for you. Yeah, I got a question for you. I always know when Derek wants something because he comes to my office and goes, hey, I got a question for you. He says it every single time. I'm like, okay, Derek. But I really do, I really do have a question for you. Um, why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate Easter? Now, I know the answer that I've always received, and I know the answer I've always given, which is, well, it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's Resurrection Sunday. You know, that's, that's why we're doing this thing. 
And, uh, and I don't know why at first, but that answer didn't satisfy my soul this week. Um, it just, I, I kept wrestling with it because it, it satisfied the who. If you were saying, well, why do we celebrate Easter? Well, it's about Jesus. Well, that's who we're celebrating. And if you said that it was about the resurrection, I'd say, well, that's what we're celebrating. But the why is where I was kind of getting hung up. I was wrestling with it. And, and here's why. Because as believers, is it not true that the resurrection is what we hang our hat on, right? Not just one day a year, but every day. It's what sets our convictions. It's what gives us hope. It's what puts dreams inside of us. It's what brings conviction. It's what leads us back to the Lord. So then I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm like, well, if this is the case, Father, then shouldn't every day be Easter? Now, what I'm very thankful for is that the Lord, uh, he always, he's never afraid of our hard questions. If you got a hard question going on inside your brain or maybe a, a wacky one, like you're like, who asks, why do we celebrate Easter? We just do. Um, it's okay. He's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of anything that you have to ask him. And so the Lord, as he always does, he proved faithful to speak to me. And he said, Kayla, um, no, not every day is Easter. Not every day is Resurrection Sunday. But Easter, the reason we celebrate it is to remember. Because when we celebrate, it is to remember. Someone say remember. And then all of a sudden, it totally made sense. It made sense why we celebrate Easter. For you see, there are a lot of things that we celebrate throughout the year, right? Like birthdays and anniversaries that come around every year like Easter. And the person that you're celebrating on that day, it's not that they hold less value any other day, but in fact, the reason why you're celebrating is so that you can remember why they're so important to you in your life. In fact, wouldn't you argue that it's not the good times that you're always celebrating when you come around to the other year? How many know that when you've walked through some valleys, when you've walked through some hardships, when the Lord literally had to pull you out of a pit, you celebrate a little more wildly, a little more extravagantly. A birthday sure means a lot more when you didn't think you were going to make it to that age. An anniversary sure does mean and carry a lot more weight when you thought that that marriage was headed for divorce papers. And so the reason that we pause to celebrate is to remember. Because in remembering, we are able to take a breath, stop what we're doing in the busyness of life, have a perspective change if we need one. And it's with that in mind that I no longer find it a coincidence that the Lord actually commanded people in the Bible multiple times to pause and celebrate. It really is true. Now that I've said it to you, when you read your Bible, you'll probably start to see it a lot more. I think about the example in the Bible where the Hebrew slaves were, well, slaves to Egypt for so many years. They called out to God. They said, free us. Bring us out of this oppression. Keep your promises that you made to us in the beginning and our ancestors. And so God sent a guy named Moses. He used him in many miracles to pull them out of Egypt. And the first thing when they get out of Egypt that the Lord declares is, all right, you see the date on the calendar? Every year I want you to come back and celebrate this. In fact, I want you to have a festival that lasts many days so that you can remember. Look at this in Exodus 12, verse 17. The Lord says, celebrate this festival for, what does it say? It will remind you, it will make you pause, it'll make you consider, 
It'll lead you to have a perspective change that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate it from generation to generation. And then as we fast forward to the New Testament, I even see it in this thing called Holy Communion, where Jesus being quoted by the Apostle Paul talking about communion, he says, what, do this in remembrance of me. Every time that you take this cup, every time that you break this bread, do this so that you can pause. Come on, somebody. So that you can remember, so that you can declare the Lord's coming and declare his death. And so today, here's what I speak over us as Crossing Place Church. That today would not just be about uh, dressing up nice and taking a family photo. Although we do need one before we leave this building because we're remembering the Rona and we'll always look at the picture and always remember it, all right? But it's not about that. Today is not about celebrating spring as much as the world may want to tell you that. It's not about bunnies and it's not about uh, Easter egg hunts. It's not about candy in baskets. But today, what I would like for us to pause, someone say pause, and remember, someone say remember, is that, that so that we will never have the cross or lose awe of it. That we would never consider the gospel message and not be inspired by it. That we would not look at the person of Jesus and not be drawn to him by the Holy Spirit. That we will pause, that we will remember, and we will celebrate for when we will remember. We will always remember by choosing to not forget something. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we remember things just because Google Calendar reminds us. <laughs> or we realize on Facebook that we missed someone's special occasion. But then there's also other things in life that we choose to never forget. My grandparents, I have two grandmothers that are still alive, one grandfather, and they're either all 80 or about to be 80. And even though I know the stories of how they met, I know stories about their childhood, I'm unwilling to let myself forget those things. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so even when I get around them now, I'll say, can you tell me that story again? Nana, can you tell me the story of how you met Papa? Man, I, I already know it, but just, just tell it to me again. Mama Rita, tell me how you came to know the Lord. Papa Ralph, tell me about the first time that you gave your heart to the Lord. I know these things, but, but tell it to me again because I never want to forget. I'm choosing not to forget because I'm choosing to remember. And so today, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you the story of Jesus again. For we will remember when we make a decision to choose to never forget what we need a reminder of today is that no one in this world is lining up to pay for our sins or our punishment. No one in the government is looking to take the price for our sin. We need to remind ourselves that the people that we look up to, whether they're on TikTok or Instagram or they're actors or they're musicians or they're politicians, people in our family, maybe even pastors, as much as I love you, we're not lining up to take on what we, you deserve because of your sin. The greatest example that I could even think of is our military men and women. 
And though we are so thankful, we are so thankful that they serve and they protect and they put their lives down on the line for us, it is not the same thing as if you had a prison sentence and they said, I would take it instead. But Jesus, he did. Someone say he did. And so we will remember that. And today, that is why we are celebrating. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 5, that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people, they would not be willing to die for a person, even if they were especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Do you get what that means? When we were still wrapped up in addiction, when we were still wrapped up in gossip, when we were still wrapped up in pretending who we wanted to be. Come on, has anybody been there? When we were still wrapped up in our sin, when we were still wrapped up in our guilt, he still, he didn't come when you were all fixed. He didn't come when you looked pretty. He didn't come when you got your act together, but it was when you were dirty and in the pit and at your lowest. Come on, somebody, that's when he came for you. And that is the entire gospel message wrapped up in one sentence, that God showed his great love for us while we were still sinners. I'm not talking about a gospel message that you only see in four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm talking about a gospel message that's from the first word of Genesis all the way to the last word of Revelation. That the gospel message is this, that while people never deserved God, he still made a way for them to know him. I think about it when I see the story of Adam and Eve. That while they were still sinners, in fact, they had just finished sinning. They had done the one thing God asked them to do. They were in complete rebellion, and then they were hiding from him. They realized they were naked. They were in shame. They were in guilt. But while they were still sinners, God showed his great love by slaying an animal and taking the covering of that animal and making clothes for them because how many know human efforts don't last long, like trying to cover yourself with fig leaves? That wouldn't work, but he made a better solution. He showed his great love by providing covering. I think about Job, that while Job was still a sinner, God showed his great love for him by allowing him to question God, to share his doubts with God, to honestly talk a little bit too boldly to God but God allowed it because he showed his great love and then he poured out his compassion on Job though he didn't deserve it I think about Noah and I think about how while people were still sinning and sin was so rampant that God had a plan to flood the earth and start over that's how bad it was he spoke to a man named Noah who believed in God and by faith was considered righteous. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't righteous because of what he did. He was righteous because of who he believed in. And so the Lord spoke to Noah and said, build an ark. And though only seven or eight people went into that ark, the truth is it was large enough to hold anyone who believed that judgment was coming. They could run into it and be saved from the flood. God showed his great love to sinners by providing an ark. I think about Jacob, and I think about how even while Jacob was still sinning, while he was still sinning, when he was running into the desert, after lying to his father, tricking his brother, 
running from his past, trying to start a new life. Maybe if I just move away, God showed his great love by showing up, showing him an image of a ladder between heaven and earth and confirming his love for him even while he was still sinning. I think about Moses, that even while Moses was still sinning, Though he had many doubts, and in times he was disobedient to God, he still had a deep desire to see God. And so God showed his great love for him by hiding him in a rock. And so that when Moses was in the rock, God would walk by, and Moses would be able to see his presence and see his glory with his own eyes. And then I think about the sacrifices. I think about that while people were still sinning, and sometimes they did it on purpose, sometimes they did it with no consideration to God because they knew that there would be a way out, they still, God in his great love, provided a way that an animal would take the punishment temporarily for their sins. You see, the Lord has always offered the first step of reconciliation to people, Because of his great love and despite their great sin, our great sin. And that is because his nature, it never changes. He is always forgiving. He is always merciful. He is always kind. He is always gracious. But all those great acts of love could not overcome the greatest act of love to come in sending Jesus In fact, what I want you to see today is that all of those events and then even more were simply great acts of love pointing to the greatest act to come. For you see, Jesus is the covering. He is the covering. That God didn't slay an animal, but instead he slayed his own son. That though I stand bare and naked in my sin and shameful and guilty and distant from him, he puts Jesus, the covering over me and you if we choose to believe. So that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. When Job was questioning God, wrestling with God, doubting God, asking him questions, challenging him. He cries out in the middle of Job. You can go and read it. He says, I just wish that there was a mediator. I wish there was somebody who could take on my punishment so that I could speak to you freely. So it could just be about me and you and I wouldn't have to worry about what to come. For you see, Jesus is the ark. He was God's plan. So that anyone who believes in what is to come, if we are not found in him, could run in and be saved. For you see, Jesus is the ladder. He is the connection between heaven and earth. That through our sin, we could not reach a perfect God. But instead, he made the way. He made a path for us to know him. Jesus is the rock. If we just hide ourselves inside of him, we will see his presence. It's the only way to see God. And then Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. Only Hebrews says it this way, that it's not a sacrifice that's given over and over again, but instead it says that it was once for all time. Jesus doesn't have to die over and over again, but it lasts forever for all who believe. And so today, we will remember we'll remember what scripture says about him. We'll remember that he was accused and he was arrested and he was tried for something that he did not do but that we deserved. We will remember that God in flesh, after they finished whipping him, 
with the cat of nine tails that he didn't even look like he had flesh. He looked like mangled flesh. We will remember, someone say remember. We will remember that though he deserved a crown of glory that he did eventually get, instead he was crowned with a crown of thorns. We will remember that though he deserved praise and worship from everyone who was watching him, instead he was mocked, spit on, and scorned. We will remember that he was made to carry his cross to his own dying place, but could not make it so much so that someone had to help him to carry it. We will remember that once he reached the top, that he was, he was nailed with six-inch nails driven through his hands and his feet. We will remember that while he was on that cross, some of his last words were to take care of the people who believed in him and to forgive those who didn't, even though they didn't realize it. We will remember that he did not lose the battle to death, but instead he was in control of his life and he gave his last breath. It was not taken from him. We will remember, we will remember that when he breathed his last, that the veil was torn in the temple from top to bottom. We will remember that when the last breath came out of his mouth, that dead people started coming out out of their graves and walking around. People didn't even recognize them because they knew that they had been dead. And we will remember that he was quickly taken off the cross because Sabbath was coming, dark was coming, and he was rushed into a tomb with everyone to run off and hide. But what we will mostly remember today is that none of it was in vain. For you see, if Jesus had not risen from the grave, then he was just a crazy man who claimed to be God. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, then he was just this man that pulled off incredible stunts. If he didn't rise from the grave, then really we have no hope because we could be crucified too and killed too and our sins would still be there. But, but the scriptures say that he resurrected. And it is not just a book of fairy tales. The Bible is not just something that's made up. But instead, we are able to read eyewitness accounts of the people who saw that he was dead, saw that he was buried, and then they saw that he was living, that he was breathing, and he was walking around. He even ate, and they could touch his hands and his body because he was certainly alive. So today... Out of John chapter 20, we will remember what the scriptures say about the resurrection. It starts like this, that early on a Sunday morning, before the sun even rose, Mary Magdalene found her way to go and run to the tomb of Jesus. If you want to know why it was while it was still dark, it's because the day before was Sabbath. You're not allowed to go out. You're not allowed to do anything. And so she was obedient in that factor, but she knew the first possible moment she could leave her house, she'd be running to grieve at her Savior's tomb. For you see, Mary had been through a lot in life. She was a former demoniac. She had multiple demons, and you really only 
open yourself up to that if you live a certain lifestyle. But Jesus in his compassion cast all of those demons out of her and she was so thankful that he had changed her life that she just wanted to go and spend a little time even if his body was in a tomb. Only when she gets there, she sees that the tomb isn't exactly how they left it. Instead, somehow this big stone that took multiple people to move, it's been moved out of the way. And so she runs and she grabs two of Jesus' best friends, Peter and John, and she says, come and look at this with me. So they run over, they check it out, they see the very same thing, and, and they run to tell the disciples, I mean, where's Jesus? Mary has a little bit of curiosity, though, and so she pokes her head inside of the tomb, and, and she sees two angels. And they ask her this, woman, why are you crying? I really hate when people ask me that. But Mary gives the same response that I would as well. Somebody's taken my Lord. Um, I don't know where he is. And so through her, her tears, she turns to go away. And the Bible picks up with this, that she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? I guess I'd be okay if Jesus asked me that. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. Sometimes all you need is just to hear your name from Jesus. Jesus calling your name. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord, and then she gave his message. But Mary wasn't the only one who saw Jesus on that Sunday. A little later on, Jesus appears to his best friends, the disciples. Now, they weren't out looking for him like Mary was, but instead, on the other extreme, they were hiding. It says they were hiding behind locked doors, for you see, they had a fear that the Pharisees were coming after them next and that they too would be crucified. And so the story picks up that suddenly Jesus was just standing there. Dude didn't even have to unlock the door. He just popped in the room. Peace be with you, he said, and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. But unfortunately, there was one disciple that, that wasn't there, and his name was Thomas. Now, I don't know if Thomas went out for an errand, if he went to go see family, or maybe if he just never showed up at all. But even in Thomas's absence, the Lord loved Thomas so much that he made sure to come back for a visit. Scripture says that eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands, and put your hand in my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, and then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And 
Church, that is where we are today. I, I so long to see Jesus. Sometimes I ask him that, and then I'm reminded in Revelation he's described as eyes with fire in hair like snow, and then I take it back real quick. I'm like, never mind, Jesus, never mind. I don't want to free. I don't want oh, Lord. I'll, I'll just believe, you know. But the, the truth is we'll never get to see Jesus physically unless he, A, comes back and we see it because he is coming back. That is a truth. Or unless we die. If we see him now, we may see him in a vision. I believe that. We may see him in a dream. Sometimes we may artistically look at pictures and like to imagine what he looks like. But the truth is no one today will see Jesus physically, but we do all have the opportunity to believe without seeing and according to Jesus, it is a greater privilege. It is a greater faith than actually laying our hands on him and believing. There's a lot that we can unpack in this story, in these three accounts of witnesses who literally saw the risen and resurrected Jesus. And we don't have time for that today. But here's the common denominator between all of it. It's that King Jesus makes himself available to everyone. If I was Jesus, do you know who I would go show myself to first once I resurrected? All the kings of the earth. Y'all can't do this. I'm the real king. You know, you, you really, you need to bow down to me. That's probably what I would do. Or better yet, I would, uh, I'd go show myself to the Pharisees so that I could prove them wrong. But that's not where Jesus spent his time. Instead, Jesus' first appearance comes to a person who's considered second class at this time. Someone who was forgotten by society. Somebody overlooked. Somebody who's, as a woman, that her witness would not even count in court or be considered reliable. Maybe she was ostracized, at least we know for some time. She had been rejected by others, probably mistreated. And yet, Mary is who Jesus chose to go see first. Then I notice that Jesus isn't afraid to show himself to the fearful. He's not afraid to show himself to the hiding. In fact, what I see is that Jesus shows himself first to the backsliders. For Peter had already decided to go fishing. That that was where his lot was in life. Not following the Lord. And then I even love that Jesus was not scared of the faithless. He was not scared of those who were having trouble believing. But the story of the resurrection is still same, the same today. That Jesus will show himself to those looking and those not looking. He shows himself to the vulnerable. He shows himself to the weak. He shows himself to those that society has shunned. He shows himself to the ones who think that they're not spiritual enough, that they don't match up, that they don't even up, that they have no future. Really, what the resurrection tells us today, and the story stays the same, is that salvation is for everyone. And nothing about what Jesus says changes. For he gave us another story, a parable in Luke chapter 14, that tells the very same story. For you see, there is the story of a king, this parable in Luke 14 about a king and his kingdom. And he wanted to show a banquet, give a banquet for his whole kingdom. 
and he, he wanted everyone to come and celebrate with him. So he sends out his servants, and he, he goes and he gives personal invitations with every family's name, every individual's name written on it. Come and be a part of this feast, be a part of this, this celebration. But the party comes along, and would you believe it, nobody shows up, not one person. And the king is indignant about it. In fact, he goes and asks his servants, why is no one here? And they relay all the messages that somebody was too busy, that they planned to come next year, that they had just gotten married. It's just not a good time. And so the king gives a response to his servants to go back out with more invitations. And in fact, this is how he says it in Luke chapter 14. He says, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. You know what this means? Go where it's shady, where it's a shady place to be. Go where no one would be caught dead being. Go where there's a lot of sin. Go where there are people who are hiding. Go to the people who would never expect an invitation. And you invite the poor. And you invite the crippled. And you invite the blind. And you invite the lame. And so the servants, they come and they bring all these people that were invited. But the house for the party was still not full. It was still not full. And so the king, he sends out another invitation. He sends his servants out again and he says this, go out into the country lanes. What he's saying is go out to where all the lepers have been exiled. Go out to where people are hiding in shame. Go out to the ones who are forgotten. He says, go and look behind hedges. Go to the people who have been forgotten about. Go to the people who feel unworthy. Go to the people who expect that they won't receive an invitation. And urge anyone. Can you say anyone? Urge anyone. Can you say anyone? Urge anyone to come that my house may be full. So today, King Jesus has invited you to his feast and his banquet, but it's not just a one-day affair, it's for a lifetime. And his servant stands before you with your invitation in my hand, with your name on it that you would come and eat at his table, that you would come and drink with him, that you would be a part of him forever. And I wanna give every person in this building the opportunity to respond to that. Now, I understand that it's Easter, and I understand that you came in this building knowing that I would give you this opportunity, but it is still here because salvation is still for everyone. Maybe you are being drawn to come up here, which I'm about to ask you to do to respond to this, and you think that I'm just a good communicator. Maybe you think I'm just a good salesperson and that you're being drawn by me. Let me just downplay myself a little bit. I can't even convince my husband on a good day where we should go out to lunch, okay? So I'm telling you, it's not in me. But I wanna give you your invitation that you would respond and that as you respond, you're coming up walking to the front, not in shame or guilt or condemnation, 
but in full hope and faith for your sins to be forgiven and for you to have a new name written down in heaven. I'm not just talking about to people here for the first time. I'm not just talking about people who are here every time. I'm talking to anyone and everyone, and I'm even speaking to the prodigal sons and daughters, that you've been eating the pig slop out in the world. You think your time is over. You think that you can't come back to the Father's house, but I want to let you know he's sitting on the front porch waiting for you, looking for you over the horizon to just come back home. So, with eyes open and your head up, we're going to have some pastors and leaders right here at the front waiting for you. They're going to pray for you if they can come. And I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I'd like for you to respond to this message. First time, second time, 50th time. If the Spirit of God is drawing you, will you make your way to the front by the courage and the boldness of the Holy Spirit? And we will celebrate with heaven over you. One two, three. Can somebody come? Is anyone coming? Thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Somebody took the first step. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? The Lord says that my house may be full. Is there anybody else? Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. you're so faithful. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Can we all stand with those who come up here? I want to I want to speak to you real quick. I'm so proud of you. I'm so very proud of you. The Lord's so very pleased with you right now. And I'd like to share this with you that when when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross and he had the two thieves beside him, one of them went to heaven when he died because he looked at Jesus and he said two things. He said, firstly, he said, I deserve the punishment that I'm getting. He does it. That was an admission of sin. The second is he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And that was an admission of him as savior. And that's all that needs to be right now. And so can we all repeat this as a prayer together with those that have come forward? Repeat this after me. Say, Lord, dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I am full of sin. I am full of shame. I try to hide my past. I try to run from it, but I can't get rid of it. So I stand here with full faith that by confessing my sin to you and making you Lord, that my sin is wiped clean. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take my sins and throw them as far as the east is from the west. Right now, I declare you as Lord. I give you my family, I give you my money, I give you my future, I give you my everything, you have my heart. And from this day forward, I will not live life on my own accord, 
but I will follow your words. I will follow your spirit. I will let it lead me. Even when I disagree, I will trust that your way is better. In Jesus' name, I believe that I have a new name in heaven and my heart is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we praise the Lord? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Guys, for you both that made your decision and for anyone who is looking to take next steps, it's very important that you take that card that's in front of you um, and that you, you fill it out so that we can be in contact about some next things. And other than that, thank you for being here for Easter. We are so proud of you. It took the boldness of the Holy Spirit to come up. Guys, have a great rest of your day. Let's continue to think about the Lord. Have a great rest of your Easter. Amen. Thank you.